Good morning. Mystery Prelude today, sponsored by Steve Seagraves for his wife Amy. Did anybody get the song? What's in love with Amy? You're not still in love? Oh. <laughs> uh, we're in the season of Lent. We have worship at 1 and 7 on Wednesdays. We're doing um, the evidence for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This Wednesday, we'll be talking about the empty tomb. Also, for lunch, uh, Caesar salad, pork tenderloin, and Lutheran potatoes. I don't know what Lutheran potatoes are. I guess they're baptized. I don't know. And then dinner is corned beef and cabbage. Also, uh, family movie night uh, coming up March 18th, 5 p.m., A Bug's Life. And uh, we'll also supply pizza. BBS is June 19th through 23rd. Registration starts Monday. Uh, following Jesus changes the game. And then don't forget holy yoga tomorrow at 9.15 and chair yoga at 10.15. Palm crosses for Palm Sunday on March 31st. If you'd like to help make palm crosses, we would really appreciate it. The Seder dinner is this week, March 14th. Today's the last day to sign up. Very educational. It's informative, it's fun, uh, love to have you attend. The Miss Kitty wants you there by 5.55, so obviously a little before 6. We rise for opening him. We make our beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Make haste, O God, to deliver me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Please be seated. Invite the children up for the children's message. my new slippers. Where do you think I got those from? The rummage sale, yes. I got this cross too. Which one of you gave up the cross? What kind of Christians are you? But I like it. Yeah, the rummage sale. And guess what? Look, there's, who's that? Woody. Yeah, and these are child size. And they're at the rummage sale. And guess what you're getting today? A dollar. You can turn this in, it's worth a dollar, a hundred pennies. We're hoping your parents will buy something a little extra besides just a dollar. But you know, our rummage sale raised over $10,000. Isn't that fantastic? And the youth that's gonna help them on a mission trip where they go to tell people about Jesus and help them out. So you get a Redeemer dollar today and you get to buy something. You know, the Bible says Jesus bought us. You know that? He bought us. And what did he pay? Not gold or silver, but his own life. That's what it costs to have us. And so we're so thankful, and that's why we're here. I want to thank you for coming up, and I hope you find something good at the rummage sale. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from Exodus 17, verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. 
I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Here ends our Old Testament reading. Our epistle reading this morning is from Romans 3, verses 1 through 8. What advantage, then, is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Were they, will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true, and every human being a liar. As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak, and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim, that we say, let us do evil that good may result? Their condemnation is just. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. Here ends our epistle reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son.
We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Our Holy Gospel reading this morning is from John 4, verses 5 through 26. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Here ends our Old Testament reading. We continue and confess our faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, God.
Please be seated. be honest with you, um, you always find some strange people in church. <laughs> and if you're like me, you know, you try to figure out why people behave the way they do or do the things they do or say the things they say, and you, you sort of paint a picture, don't you? Uh, you come up with ideas that could be far from the truth. And usually, if you're like me, it's more on the negative side than the positive side. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> the woman at the well. I want to give her a new hearing. It's from our gospel lesson for today, Vicar. Yes, I'm sorry. He said Old Testament lesson. Did you hear that? <laughs> He's so entertaining to have around. The woman at the well, listen, this is how we usually interpret this story. We think of something, she shows up at noon or around noon to get water. Usually, the women gathered at the fountain, at the well, in the morning. It was a time to, to talk, share stories, gossip, co complain about your husbands, whatever. Well, since she comes up at noon, we start inserting thoughts into the scripture. Exegesis means let scripture speak for itself. No, she comes at noon. She must be an outcast. She's not liked by everybody. 
Why? Well, you heard from Jesus. Five husbands and she's living with a guy now. All of a sudden, we, we paint this awful picture of this woman. Now she's a little loose. That's what we do. And yet the Bible doesn't tell us that. The scripture isn't saying that. Just let's look at the story and what it tells us without inserting other things. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. He's not afraid of the religious leaders, but he wants some time away so things cool down. It's not time for his crucifixion. It's early in his ministry. So he's going to go to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Had? Isn't that interesting? A good Jew would not go through Samaria. Oh, the quickest route to Galilee is through Samaria. It's about a three-day journey. But a good Jew would go around Samaria, be a six-day journey, you'd have to cross the river twice. It's like Jesus has a divine appointment with this woman. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Okay, all you have to say is Jacob's well was there. Do we have to hear about Joseph? Is Joseph's name mentioned for a purpose, a reason? Now, what about Joseph? Oh, yeah, in the end, he would save Egypt and the known world from starvation. But remember, he had some ups and downs. First of all, his brothers sold him into slavery. Maybe we're being told this woman is down, sad, depressed. She doesn't want to engage in the morning. Maybe she slept in. We're reading too much into it. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down by the well. Jesus, God, he knows what it means to be tired. He understands us. And he understands this woman. It was about noon. Okay, maybe she slept in. Who knows? Maybe she's depressed. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. I'm sure you could tell from his clothing. And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The Greek brings out here, referring to the container with the water in, used together. See, the Samaritans were considered unclean. Taking water from her would be unclean. Even talking to her would make Jesus unclean. What, what, why do Jews have such an issue with the Samaritans? The first time we hear about the Samaritans, the Samaritans were the northern kingdom. Okay, they were Jews, the northern kingdom. In 721, the Assyrians attacked, took many of the Jews away from their homeland, and the Jews that left behind, 
sort of mingled more with Gentiles. And so the Jews looked at the Samaritans as half-breeds, even though they had so much in common. What they had in common made them farther apart. The Samaritans we hear about when the Jews go to rebuild the second temple. The Samaritans give them a hard time and hold up the building project. You, you can understand there's, there's some hatred here that goes way back in time. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked for you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? I like this woman. I think she's very honest. She says what she thinks. And I think she's a little sarcastic with Jesus. I think there's some banter going on. Do you know, out of all the discussions that Jesus had that are recorded in Scripture, this is the longest account. Sir, the woman, uh, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's not stagnant water, it's moving water. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Why do we portray her in such a bad way? She could be living with an uncle. Jesus is just talking about her past. Maybe they all died. Maybe they all divorced her. I think she's broken and she's empty and she's in need of someone to understand her. Now, this is where people say, well, look, she changes the topic right away. She doesn't want to deal with it. No, I don't think she has a problem talking about who she is in her past. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She's got a theological question. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. See, the Samaritans, they built a temple on Mount Garrison. And she refers to her ancestors worshiping there. Why? Because the Jews burned it down. It's gone now. But she refers to her ancestors worshiping on that mountain. Well, you say, we have to go to Jerusalem. We have to go to Mount Zion. What, what's wrong with Mount Gerizim? You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus doesn't back down. Salvation from the Jews. Not the religious leaders, but Christ. You worship what you don't know. What, what is Jesus telling us? The Samaritans only accepted the Pentateuch. 
Those are the first five books of the Bible. They didn't accept the prophets. That's what Jesus is referring to. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. This is interesting. Jesus is saying, hey, it's not, not Mount Zion, nor it's Mount Gerizim. It's Mount Holy Spirit. Jesus, in John chapter 7, he's talking about it, it was a, a, a day of a festival. And remember, the Jews had eight annual festivals. This is one of them. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. <clears throat> Sounds a lot like what he says to the Samaritan woman. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Interesting. Jesus speaks to her in more some, uh, terms of being a Samaritan. Now she returns the favor and speaks more like a Jew, referring to the promised Messiah. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Usually Jews didn't talk to women in public, especially a Samaritan one. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now think, if she's an outcast, a woman of ill repute, would the townspeople listen to her? You see, we've, we've misportrayed this woman. We filled in the story with some of the most evil thoughts. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. Now see, why do we connect that to sin? And if she said, oh, he told me all my sin, are you going to run out there and want to hear your sin told about, talked about? No. So this is more compassion. Jesus is truly connected with her. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. They're unclean. Jesus stays two days. He eats their food. He sleeps in their homes. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is really the savior of the world. You know what's interesting? What happened right here, Shechem, in the Old Testament, Joshua, was about to finish his ministry. He's going to go be with God. He has the children of Israel there at Shechem, this location. And by the way, Joseph's bones are buried right here also. 
Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And then Joshua says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. They made a recommitment. Here this woman also is making a recommitment. You know what's fascinating? Before Jesus ascends, he's going to send his disciples, but now our apostles, apostle means sent ones, out into the world. What does he say? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He didn't have to say Samaria, but he does. Is he thinking about this woman? I'll go tell her the good news. Yeah, I know her. I understand her. I love her. I died and rose again for her. I think it's unfair Sometimes we portray this woman in such a way. We're making a lot of assumptions. I think she was hurting. She was broken. Genesis 49. This is Jacob blessing his son Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful vine. A fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. What does Jesus say in John 15, 1? I am the vine. Jesus, that vine climbing over the wall of separation from the Jews and the Samaritans and uniting a people in faith. You know, the Eastern Orthodox Church tradition says she had a name. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Eastern Orthodox Church calls her Fotina, means luminous one. Fotina. They even celebrate a feast day, February 26th, to remember her. And what they label her? The first apostle. The first sent one. How true. And tradition tells us that she continued to evangelize and do ministry and finally martyred for her faith. Well, scripture doesn't tell us that, but tradition. I think she deserves a second look, second chance. We boxed her in like we do to so many people. I want you to give some thought this week. Who are you boxing in? How are you filling in that story of the person? And is it bad? Is it in the best light? Probably not, if you're like me. Also, think about Fotina, illuminated one, the first apostle. We too are sent out to a thirsty world that tries to quench their thirst with all sorts of things, and yet they don't satisfy. And what we have is the water of life. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise for the offertory.
Let us pray. Lord of hosts, you have brought us to dwell in your house and called us to worship you in spirit and truth. Receive our praise and hear our prayers that we leave this place satisfied with your living water. You led your ancient people by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Lead us through the wilderness. Lead us that we would be refreshed by the living water flowing from the stricken side of Christ. Today we pray for those grieving the loss of loved ones, the family and friends of Helen Hitaki. We pray for those facing health concerns, Heather, Sharon Talinda, Brian, Megan Dilly, Carl Story, Greg, Andrea Calvanesso, Linda, Linda Boyce, Beth Hamada, Andrew Flieger, Joe and Donna, Pat Nels, Tony Kernett, Ron Marks, Michael O'Connor, Brian Leahy, Rudy Becker, Chris Decker, and Jerry Williams. We pray for those in hospice care, Joe Hamada and Rosebud Rosselli. We pray a special petition for a man of the congregation who is suffering from severe depression, prayers for a woman battling breast cancer, prayers for all those impacted by the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, prayers for the people of Ukraine, all those serving in the military, police and firefighters, all world leaders to be receptive to godly counsel, for all Lutherans in Burkina Faso, West Africa, and for all those suffering from other health concerns and their caregivers. Prayers of thanksgiving for those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, and our chapel altar flowers placed by the Bernstein family. All this we ask as you have taught us to pray. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace.